There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Sasha. And Sasha, I'm just going to tell you really quick. I have always argued that Tuesdays are more Mondayer than Mondays. And we record mm. on Tuesdays. And I definitely just about threw everything I've known about this podcast and how we introduce it out the window in like two and a half <laughs> seconds before we started. <laughs> well, Yeah. Um, for Mondays for me are just like constant. It's usually my longest day of the week, to be honest. Mm. So then by the time Tuesday rolls around, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> oh. yes. I will say there is something different for anyone. If you are just listening to this on Spotify, Apple podcast whatever they're it's called um it's no different but if you want to watch sasha and i talk about everything today you can yeah. actually head over to hill varsity's youtube channel and see us because we are yeah. officially recording on video i i think it's a long time coming um mm-hmm. but yeah so this will this will be a thing every week from now on Yes, and hopefully I'll be able to be in studio. I was telling Sasha today, the day that we are recording this episode, is just one of those days where, um, like I said, Tuesdays are Monday, Monday-ish days because it just was meeting after meeting after meeting and then yeah. interview after interview after interview, which is good. It keeps me busy, but it also means that I'm going to be very glued to yeah. one spot for a while. <laughs> yeah. So it's fine. But Sasha, how are you this week? I'm all right. You know, uh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to take one second to brag on myself this morning. Yes. So in December, most people don't know this, uh, not on this podcast anyway, but I injured myself because I'm dumb and uh, may have had one beer too many and tripped over a dog toy (laughs) and landed uh, ribs first onto the corner of my nightstand and um, separated a rib. Um, and so that was, you know, December and I took, I didn't start like working out, working out again until February, just because like with an injury like that, you have to let it heal. There's Mm -hmm. nothing you can do to speed it up. Um, and if you try to do too much, you can just further how long it's going to take. And so this morning I PR'd my deadlift and I was not expecting to get there this quick. Um, and it's not even like one rep max time yet. That'll happen right before my birthday. So I'm really excited to. So I'm good. I'm doing well this morning. You should pat yourself on the back. Good (laughs) job. Like that's, that's exciting. I mean, and I will say as somebody who has broken ribs, like rib injuries are tough. They Mm -hmm. linger for a long time. So good for you. There's still some times where it it bugs me, Mm -hmm. especially like bench press. I don't know why, or like, you know, doing any kind of plank stuff. So yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm excited. (laughs) That's exciting. I, here's the thing. Um, 
for anyone listening to this, brag on yourself. Like anytime, <laughs> like the thing that I, I found so often, I am guilty of this as well, is not wanting to pat ourselves on the back because it's almost like you don't want to come across like you're bragging or right. you're, um, I don't know. Like I've had some moments recently, like where I realized that I will have had the cover story of the Hill Varsity yearbook for the last five years. Yeah. Now I do want to preface with that. Any of the stories within the yearbook could easily have been a, a cover story. In mm -hmm. fact, that's the thing that we always pride ourselves on is the yearbook is something that every story is a cover story. Yeah. It is a deep dive. It's a, it's a really like smart, um, interesting, different perspective on an individual or something within the team, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I work really, really hard. And this is where I have to pat myself on the back. I work really, yeah. really hard to establish relationships with those that I um, cover and I, uh, get to tell their stories that they feel comfortable either allowing us to do a photo shoot or they feel comfortable allowing us into a little bit more of their world. And mm -hmm. that's not to say, again, any of that could be the case with any of the stories we have in the yearbook. But, you know, as as we all know, all athletes are different. Some people just don't like that kind of attention. They don't yeah. like hearing a story, but they don't want the like camera in their face. All of that is very different. It can be different. So for me, though, I like realized the other day where I'm like, I need to pat myself on the back for a moment and just be like, hey, I have I have like worked really hard yeah. to establish these relationships. So, yeah. again, for everyone else, pat yourself on the back every so often. Like, And it's it's totally fine to like be proud of the things that you're doing or proud of the work that you've done or like anything like being proud of yourself is like, I feel, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head there where you're like, I know people sometimes stray away from doing that just because they don't want to come off like they're bragging. But I don't think that it's bragging if you're just being proud of yourself. Like I want to celebrate. Yeah. yeah. I want to celebrate. Like if people do something great or if they're excited or something happens for them, like that makes me, excited like mm -hmm. just celebrate your successes and i think i think the reality is is like self-deprecation has become sort of a fundamental part of the way we communicate with one another where it's yeah. almost like you you do feel connected to people when you feel those shared experiences and a lot of times that comes through self-deprecation where you're mm -hmm. like oh well you'll never believe this thing and you, you share this thing to commiserate with people. And that is okay. But psychologists say that we do tend to share more of the bad. Mm -hmm. We, we vent and we offload everything that's going on, which is not a bad thing. It's also good to be able right. to vent and all of that, but it's also counteracting like to talk about the good. And so something mm -hmm. that this wasn't the point of this podcast, but again, tangents are sort of the name of the game around here. <laughs> but if I can offer one thing for people that I learned when I worked at Boys Town, when I was coaching and working with the youth that I always thought was a really interesting approach. So often when different, you know, youth would arrive at Boys Town, they would always have us break down skills mm -hmm. very, very basically. And there'd be times where you're like, oh my gosh, like this is so like, this is so like like we're breaking them down to like these little, like teeny little pieces within it. But they're like, if you have never experienced this skill, you need somebody to explain it. Like, so you, you were very, very specific in how you asked for things and mm -hmm. you didn't leave room for essentially interpretation because you wanted to teach the skill. But within all of this teaching, they are, they were really, really big on for every, for every like 
one correction, mm-hmm. you needed to have at least four positives. So it was always about making sure the good outweighed the bad. So if, for instance, a if one of my cheerleaders came up and just said, hey, coach, um, I can't be at practice tomorrow. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That is not wrong, but there was probably a better way to go about that. So like what you would do is you'd say, hey, I just want you to know I really appreciate you being direct and forthcoming with me. Um, that was you know, I, I appreciated you looking me in the eye. I appreciated you speaking to me with enough advanced notice. So you're Mm -hmm. counting the like positives that you're saying to them. And then you finally get to the, but Hey, next time I would really appreciate it. If you could add a, um, you know, I would really appreciate it if you would add a request of, Hey, is it all right? If I, you know, am not at practice, here's why I'm unable to be here. Um, so you're teaching the skill, but you're giving them the positive reinforcement before you give the correction. So Mm -hmm. my big point here is think about how many times you're saying the bad things that happen in a day versus the things that are good. And I promise you, we vent far more than we speak positively. So just remember when it comes to like any kind of like healthy relationship with ourselves, try to get yourself to a point where you're giving yourself like four positives for every one negative. So it's yeah. like, if you've had a really tough day, try to find those positives too, where it's like, you know, I didn't get everything I wanted done today, but I did get this done. Mm-hmm. You know what? I also did this. Um, I'm really proud of myself for trying this and we'll get back to it tomorrow. And I only did three, but that's my point is like, <laughs> yeah, give yourself the positive reinforcement because it will ultimately, it, it is always, it is always going to help your mindset when you can build up the positive, even yeah. through the negative. Something that really helped me too. Um, just, I have had the, uh, ability, I guess, (laughs) to be super negative the majority of my life, but something that really changed my perspective. Well, two things. One is um, not focusing on the fact that you're having a bad day because the whole day, the day as a whole isn't bad. You had a bad moment Mm -hmm. and just changing that framework a little bit has helped me a lot. So like, okay, cool. Something didn't go exactly to plan. That's okay. Like, Mm -hmm we're on to the next moment. And then the other thing is when it comes to venting um, and I, somebody posted this online forever ago and it's always stuck with me. And every time I feel like I'm complaining a little bit too much, I think of this or venting, you know, if you're coming to the table only with a complaint, but without any kind of solution or resolution in any way, all you're doing is bitching. And that really helped me try not to, complain all the time, but like change the framework a little bit. So maybe something didn't go to plan. Okay. I'm really upset about it, but what can I do in the future or what can I do going forward, even just through the rest of my day to either twist this in a positive or to, you know, hopefully prevent or lessen this from happening in the future. But that's, I don't know why, but every single time I I feel like I'm about to just complain. (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute, take a step back, take a second, take a beat, 
what, what can you do different next time or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I love that. No, it's always good. Like to kind of think through solutions too. I just, you know, we, we bring up, that's why it's also really important in this podcast. We talk a lot about things that, you know, frustrate us or things that um, we think could be better. And we do try to always offer at the end things that like we can go and do mm-hmm. in our week um, because it is important to put action behind the things that either we, we are complaining about or we are frustrated by mm-hmm. because, um, you know what, there is a level of like, I always do appreciate people like when, when news breaks. Um, so this is just a most, the, one of the more recent, um, things that I can think of. And I think it's pretty top of mind for most people, but when, um, the first draft of the decision on Roe v. Wade from the Supreme court, uh, was released, um, people were very upset. And I always appreciate when people are like, take a day to be really upset, vent, Mm -hmm. get angry, um, share your thoughts on this, like whatever they are. And then tomorrow wake up and take action because you don't want to just, you don't want to just like let the action go to the wayside, but it's, it's okay to allow yourself a day or some time to just process and be angry and to be Mm -hmm. whatever. And so that's why I always think sometimes, uh, when we push people to take action too quickly, mm-hmm. uh, it's actually not like allow people a moment to just kind of like absorb yeah, and then yeah. go take action. Cause mm-hmm. you know, you have to be able to also process. And so that's where I, I never, I never like criticize people who need to take a moment to like just absorb mm-hmm. and listen and to think and to be mad and to share their thoughts and to all of, you know, all anything that is like, you know, within the realm of what makes you feel, you know, get whatever off of your chest, but then wake up tomorrow and let's find a solution. Let's work toward what makes the most sense. So Mm -hmm. actually, this actually fits really well for uh, what I wanted to talk about first. Um, I, I was telling Sasha before we started recording that we have talked about this quite a bit in recent episodes with the WNBA. Now there's a lot of focus right now because of the situation with Brittany Griner and the fact that, um, WNBA stars are forced to go overseas to play if they want yeah. to make a reasonable living. When you think of their their salaries in comparison to the NBA, it is it is just it's not great. And I don't love the like revenue argument because it's basically saying like we can't pay people a living wage for what they are doing because we haven't spent the time building the sport up. Right. So all of that to say, one of the things that always comes up around this time of year as the WNBA begins is the lack of roster spots, how there's also just not enough spots. Mm-hmm. There, there are so many women who enter the WNBA draft, they don't end up making teams. So again, they end up going and playing overseas or they go find other things to do until they can have another shot. Um, so... I am reading from JustWomenSports.com. As WNBA players continue to push for roster expansion, uh, Commissioner Kathy Engelbert said Friday that she is more focused on adding new teams as a way to address players' concerns. She said, we're transforming the economics of the league. We want to bring new owners into the league longer term. We need to find the right time to do that. We are doing a lot of data analysis. We will continue to do that analysis, and hopefully this summer at some point we'll be able to say more but we want to be thoughtful about it. We don't want to jeopardize the momentum that we have, but we understand the issue about roster sizes. So they say, they said, ultimately 
Uh, and this is what the Seattle Times reported, which just just women's sports is then um, kind of like pulling this whole report together. Yeah. Um, the league would love to add two more teams within the next couple next few years. Excuse me. Um, they believe that adding teams, which I do actually agree with, addresses the roster issue more than just adding roster spots. Mm-hmm. Although I think you could do both. Yeah. Um, as the WNBA regular season has gotten underway. Roster cuts to get teams to the allotted 12 players per team has led to outcry over the mo- the amount of talent that has to be left on the cutting room floor. Um, WNBA salaries are on the rise. Um, so some teams have had to begin the season with 11 active players rather than 12. Um, Connecticut Sun coach Kurt Miller called the hard salary cap underrated and said after that, the after said that after the six guaranteed contracts, it's unclear how the salaries will shake out. So there's just a lot of things within the WNBA that need to continue to be worked on, um, evaluated. But the the thing that I think when it looks, when we look at the WNBA and what needs to be done, the league itself needs to grow. There yes. needs to be more teams. Um, there needs to be an evaluation of roster spots and how many roster uh, spots are available. And then also a really strong look at salaries mm-hmm. and what is possible in those salary caps so that we're not losing talent because we don't have a space for them. Right. Exactly. I think that it, it says something to the fact that they're taking this somewhat seriously, if it's even being considered um, to have league expansion. Um, but I mean, you're right. It's, it's one of no, another, one of those onion situations where it's really layered and a little bit nuanced. You just have to figure out how all of this can work together. But mm-hmm. I think that it's a positive that they're at least taking a look at it and doing analysis and trying to figure something out. Um, and hopefully that happens, you know, more in the near future than, you know, further down the line, but yeah, and it, it really ultimately comes back to what we we talk about so consistently here. And my computer, for the record, if anyone's like, it's been a while since it's done this, uh, it is ready to take flight once again. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure what has caused this. It is it just must be fired up about the WNBA right now. <laughs> um exposure is yes. so important and getting getting the WNBA, like I know I talked about this, I believe last summer, that mm-hmm. you can buy a WNBA like league pass to watch the games, but it is really, really important that more WNBA games are on your major networks, that people have the accessibility and the availability to see it. And I want, I'm going to use like a really like bizarre example for this while my computer like has a moment so excuse me (laughs) and if you see me like pulling my like microphone into it it's because i'm trying to pull my microphone away from my computer (laughs) right now uh it needs a break um no i so i actually saw a uh snippet and i wish i could i if i find it like i'll be happy to like share it on twitter or you know i can share more about where this this is last or maybe i'll go google it while we're discussing (laughs) um but there was a really amazing uh, TikTok, which I believe was pulled from a special on this about mm-hmm. the creation of Sesame Street and how Sesame Street, when it originated, was developed with the intention of being a it, it was supposed to be it was geared toward and not supposed to be it was geared toward inner city black and brown kids. And the reason why is there were they had done research that, you know, at the time that Sesame Street debuted, children were um, 
disproportionately based on their socioeconomics, based on if they were white or uh, black and brown. Uh, it was showing how much they were spending time in front of the television. And they were mm -hmm. finding that a lot of inner city black and brown kids were watching a lot more television because their parents were working multiple jobs. Right. They were gone more often. And the kids then, as a result, were being put in front of the television as a pseudo babysitter. And they started to realize that what they were consuming was a lot of advertisements and a lot of like just garbage. Mm -hmm. So Sesame Street was created with the intention of being representative of let's let's make educational content for PBS that is of interest to those watching it. But they will hopefully then you know, have something more than just garbage television in front right. of them of like, at, and like, I'm talking when I say garbage television, we're talking about like, they were still using like really bad advertising tactics on kids. They still probably are, but like, it, it was like, it was just really unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And so my point with that is, Sesame Street became a really representative show like kids at the time when it was created. And it's still I mean, it still is. It has definitely uh, evolved into something a little bit different than I would say it was started with. It, right. I, I don't think it looks quite like it was originally created. Um, but that representation was so important because this was the this was probably one of the first times that kids were watching these these inner city kids were watching television and seeing kids that looked like them right and seeing and seeing somebody that looked like them and again like i bring these things up so often because that kind of stuff changes your perspective suddenly mm -hmm. you're like oh i can go do these things oh i can right. do this getting you know more wnba games more women's college basketball games more women's sports on television in general on your televisions in a way that is easily accessible is going to change what people think is possible. Little girls are going to turn on their television and be like, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And it is yes. entirely based around just making it accessible. Yep. And that's the stuff where I'm like, why, why do we fight so hard against it? And I see people who do that, who just are so clear where they're like, I don't want this on my television. Don't watch and it. Don't then. watch it. You have hundreds of channels that I promise you, you don't ever watch. Right. So like, why is this the one that you're going to go hammer home about? <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah. I, I think that fundamentally what that just comes down to is, is wanting to, um, <laughs> complain about women's sports getting any kind of attention. I mean, that's mm -hmm. how it comes off to me. Um, I think that I don't, I don't, I don't understand why anyone has a problem with multiple sports, men or women or what have you being represented across the board on any single network. Mm -hmm. What, what, if you don't want to watch it, if you want to watch the, you know, women's PGA, then don't yeah. go watch something else. It's, it's the same concept as if you don't agree with something on the internet, then don't interact with it. Like just keep going. Like it, it, it doesn't negatively affect you in any way. If it's positively affecting somebody else's life, what difference does it make to you? Exactly. It's just, I, I, I get so frustrated by this idea that like somehow representation it takes from people. And I think that's yeah. where I have these conversations a lot, especially with journalism students when they, 
interview me for different things because I'm, I'm very, very clear when I speak about this, that when I talk about representation in sports and wanting to hire more women, wanting to hire more people of color, there's always, there's always those people who get very defensive immediately. Oh, you're taking jobs from people. How do you, how do you know they're the most qualified? And it's like, how do you know you are the most qualified Mm -hmm. when the pool of people that you are interviewing is not representative. And we know this to be true because we've talked about on this podcast that like you have a certain number of women that are graduating from journalism colleges across the country every single year. You have people of color, a certain number graduating from journalism colleges every single year. And the number in both just general media and then especially in sports media is not representative representative of those numbers of individuals graduating. Mm-hmm. Where is the discrepancy? Why do they not feel that this space is, in, is, is accessible for them? Why do they feel that the jobs aren't there? I hear so many times where it's like, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any play. Like I couldn't find a, a job. I couldn't find this. And like, we make it really, really difficult on people. And I, I like, I remember when I graduated from college, I had gone kind of a non-traditional route with journalism where I wanted to set myself up where if there wasn't a journalism role that for me, at least I could go get a job. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, when I was in school, it was pretty much like, by the book, what you did, you, uh, you got into the journalism college, you were either in news editorial, or you were in broadcasting, you got a job at the daily Nebraskan, you stayed there for the, the duration of your collegiate career, or you got a, a job at KRNU. And you mm-hmm. did those things. That was what you did. You graduated, you found a job at one of the local papers yeah. or something based on that. That was the path. And if you did not do that path, there wasn't a space for you. So I graduated and everyone's looking at me like, what, what do you, what do you need? You didn't follow the, you didn't follow the path that you are supposed to follow. And I think that was always really hard because it's like, I didn't know what was possible for me. And I was still trying to figure it out. I didn't Mm -hmm. know if, you know, the daily Nebraskan was right. I didn't know if the, if Karen, you was right. So why was I being you know, kind of put into a box when I didn't know what that was. But so this is like why representation is so, so important. It would have been amazing to see somebody else who kind of just took their own path and found their way. Mm -hmm. And I have now as an adult seen more people who've done that, but it was not, it was not in my eye line. Like it was like, I didn't see it when I was graduating. That was was the same same pretty much circumstance that I found myself in. Uh, I didn't go to UNL. I went to Iowa Western, but I knew that I wanted to do something in sports media period. Um, I didn't know exactly what that was, but I also knew at the time that I probably was not going to leave the state of Nebraska. So I needed to create my own path. So I did it super non-traditional as well. Some, most people either focus strictly on radio or they focus strictly on TV. Um, There wasn't really, I mean, I didn't see very as many people take the journalism route just at Iowa Western, but it was like, well, you know, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into having to only do one or the other. I want to be able to do both mm-hmm. because that way, maybe hopefully by doing that, I'll have more job opportunities available to me. At the time when I was still in college, there were not any women in um, like reporting on the news locally in Omaha. Mm-hmm. I did not know of any female producers in radio um, for sports specifically, not saying that there weren't on radio stations, 
but I'm talking about sports radio specifically. I did not know of a single one at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, let's just see what happens. <laughs> like, and I ended up, you know, with a, a few, you know, a couple of opportunities. I was like, I, I want to work at 1620. I, that's yeah. what I want to do. I don't care how, what I have to do. I don't, you know, if I'm board hopping for the rest of my life, I guess at the time I didn't care, but I also wanted to be able to be, you know, in sports in Omaha somehow. So that's how the storm chasers came about for me. I was like, I'm just going to go in and see at the time. Um, when I first started, I was the only female on the video crew there. Um, as we progressed, there were, um, you know, several other females on our crew, but sometimes you have to end up being the spark too. I'm not saying that I forged any new pathways for anybody, but I felt like once the second, you know, the second that I was around, I started to see more females in, in the field of work. So sometimes, you know, like, I know like growing up when we both talked about this, seeing women, um, reporters, um, really significantly helped me later in life realize that that's something Mm -hmm. that was going to be achievable for me. But that's why it's important because when I was a little girl, I did not see that representation. And I didn't think it, I didn't, it wasn't even in my realm of like thinking a pathway of like what I wanted to do. I always have loved sports. I've always loved media, but when I was a little girl, straight out of high school, even, I didn't think that that was going to be the path for me. So I didn't even try to pursue it until I was in my mid twenties. Well, you remember when we said, don't be afraid to pat yourself on the back. I'm going to pat you on the back right now, because (laughs) this is something that I am having to work on quite a bit myself right now is you, whether you realize it or not, there's somebody out there who now knows what's possible because of the path that you have taken. And even if they aren't saying it to us every single day, I can promise you there's somebody who is like, because of Sasha, I now know it's possible. Or even if they're not even aware it's directly because of you, you are the reason it is now possible. And it's so bizarre to me when I I speak with journalism students who are like, oh my gosh, like, because of you, I, I want I to go I was just going to say, it. same for you, girlfriend. <laughs> it's so, like, whenever they do that, I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no way that you feel that way. But then I have to stop myself and be like, you know what, though? Like, I, I am not the only one any longer, and that's great. There are, there are young women who are going to go look at all of these, these women in sports media and go, um, look what's possible for me. Mm-hmm. They're going to see... Um, they're going to see the Ellie's and the Nicole's and the Abby's of the world and suddenly yeah. go like, Oh, this is what's possible now for me. And I, I think that's so amazing, but yeah. I, I think I tend to deflect and go, Oh, it can't be because of me, but like, I have <laughs> to like, way. so. It, but I think even too now, especially with um, as many females that are in, you know, coaching jobs in, in major sports. Uh, can you imagine seeing that as a little girl and just being like, I can do this. Like, even if I'm not successful at basketball, I can go on to continue to coach and hopefully work my way up to coaching a a national team, a a professional team. Like that's incredible. I, that's why this stuff matters. That's what we're talking about all the time. When we talk about these things, I will say, and this is before we move into kind of a adjacent piece of this conversation, I think, you know, that's what makes somebody like Becky Hammond so impactful. Obviously, she showed that she is more than capable of coaching in the NBA. And honestly, 
I am confident we will see her coaching in the NBA again someday. I think the reason, I mean, she told us the reason she went to the WNBA. I think, I think her decision to coach in the WNBA was uh, one, probably on a personal level, something that she wanted to do. Obviously, mm-hmm. why would you do something if you didn't want to do it? But I, I, I think for her, she is going to make, um, she is going to continue to help advocate for the sport, advocate for the WNBA, advocate for uh, more teams, more roster spots, and improve that league. And she could coach there for 20 years for all we yeah. know. But I do think at some point we will see her back in the NBA. And I think seeing someone like Becky Hammond, who has shown she can do it all, um, is an incredibly powerful thing because it's going to yeah. show people what is possible and um, everything, by the way, just a little side note, if you haven't been paying attention, it's still very early in the season. You can still hop on board. The bandwagon is uh, is still readily available for you to hop on. Uh, Becky Hammond has the Las Vegas Aces um, really, really just humming along right now. Uh, they're they're doing really, really well. They have a very strong offensive team. Yeah. Um, the thing that I would say and this is going to hop into the second part of what we say. If you are somebody who's trying to compare women's basketball to men's basketball, of like, well, I like to watch men's basketball because of this, this, or this, and women's basketball doesn't have that. I need you to understand that the, they're two different games. Like women's mm-hmm. basketball and men's basketball should not be compared in the sense that like, when I watch women's basketball, I'm watching it for very different things. I'm not watching yeah. it to see. Now I think there's going to be a point where like women's basketball will evolve into a space where you're going to see more and more dunks you're going to see more but it's the same thing of like when you watch women's volleyball versus men's volleyball the type of game is very different uh they play a different game so when people are like well i was just watching women's and i was watching men's and like oh my gosh like these are two because it's a it's a different game it's not the same strategy (laughs) it's it's not the same and so you are doing a disservice when you compare now before we Mm -hmm. hop into this i just want to say i did find it uh if you are curious about the history of sesame street if you haven't done a deep dive on this. This video actually came from, I think, a bigger piece of this. The Smithsonian actually has a story from November of 2019. And the headline is the unmistakable black roots of Sesame Street. So if you'd like to read more about that, just Google unmistakable black roots of Sesame Street Smithsonian. It will pop up. It's a really, really, really interesting, fascinating explanation of how Sesame Street became what it is today and how representation matters. So I digress. All right. So speaking of like the comparison game between women's and men's sports, something that I've seen a lot prominently in the Nebraska sphere. Mm -hmm. And I want, I want to just, as as those of you who are always keeping tally at home for when I say this, I want to be clear. (laughs) Um, This is not a direct call out of any one individual person. This is really not. I really mean I've that. seen it multiple times, specifically over the last year. It, it has grown more and more where I'm seeing fans talk about it. I'm yeah. seeing other members of the media talk about it. It is not one individual person that this is not a call out of any one individual person. This is more of a general like awareness of what we are doing when we make these comparisons. So obviously, Nebraska men's sports. Well, let me rephrase this. Yeah. Three of Nebraska's men's sports, being football, men's basketball, and baseball, have not had great seasons. Um, in some cases, with the exception of baseball, football and men's basketball have had multiple bad seasons for a while. Yeah. Baseball obviously had a really strong year last year. I do think if 
you were curious about my opinion, y'all, I'll tell you what I think happened. Uh, that first year, it was a it was a blessing in disguise that Nebraska only had to play a Big Ten uh, conference slate of games. Um, but Nebraska also lost some really, really impactful players. When you think mm-hmm. of like w- what they had to replace, and honestly, I'm going to just say it didn't replace uh, for this year. And that is not a knock on anyone on this team. It's just there were some key fundamental pieces that were missing that obviously they're trying to correct because they've taken, I think, like nine junior college players for next season. So clearly Will Bold is like, we cannot do that again. Right. Um, this, this, I, I think uh, Nebraska baseball kind of needed a little bit of a, uh, oh shit, like mm-hmm. wake up call because last last season was so kind of Cinderella story like that this one was like you've now hit the wood chopper. Um, but anyway, football, men's basketball, baseball haven't had a good 2020, 2021 season. Uh, nope, sorry, go one more year, Patty. 2021, 2022 season. I have no idea what day year <laughs> it is anymore. But everybody is trying really hard to compare this to volleyball women's basketball and softball to make some kind of point that look how good the women's teams are and how bad the men's teams are. Mm -hmm. The thing that I, I really don't like about this discussion, and I'm going to read some of how I just said it to Sasha, because I've spent a lot of time kind of thinking about this. The way I said it is what is not being seen in this argument is that you're removing the success. You're removing the focus of the success of these women's teams and just using it to, honestly shit on the men just Mm -hmm. using the women as an as an excuse to be like look at how bad the men are and um brandon vogel the managing editor of hail varsity when i was talking about it he made a really good point he said you know it basically the the point is the point that is being made basically begins at a premise that the men's are the only ones that are the men's sports are the only ones that are supposed to be good so the fact that the women are doing well is suddenly this like well look at like and so Mm -hmm. It is taking the focus away from being like, hey, look at how well these women's sports are doing. And it's instead making it into look at how the men, how bad the men are in context of the women. Right. It's not doing what people think it's doing. And my point with that is Nebraska has a lot of men's sports. It's not just mm-hmm. those three. Now, those are the the, the major three. Yes. Um, but Nebraska's men's sports overall have not had bad seasons. Um, gymnastics did mm-hmm. fair, pretty well from my understanding. Um, I understand some people will, th- there were some upsets along the way with wrestling, but wrestling had a pretty good season too. Um, but when you're thinking of like just those, remember that Nebraska has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine men's sports. And you're focusing on three. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you're also only focusing on those three women's sports, you're failing to acknowledge bowling which is a national championship oh level team and um, has been for yes. a significant amount of time yes golf which right now has a player in the ncaa regionals who is representing nebraska a rifle always does pretty well too yeah a soccer has had you know is done pretty well um track and field for both men and women have some pretty like i will be honest i haven't followed all of these sports closely enough to say, you know, every little detail and nuance, but I know Mm -hmm. enough because I get all of the press releases to know that they're, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. I just don't love this comparison where it's, it just feels like a need to prove some kind of point that the men are. And by the way, I just want to give her a bit of a shout out that the 
the the young woman, the young Nebraska golfer representing Nebraska, she's currently at Stanford at the NCAA Stanford Regional. Um, she, it's Kirsten Beatty. Um, she is, sorry, Kirsten Beatty. Uh, by the way, I just actually got a chance to speak with uh, uh, Kirsten Bernthal Booth from Creighton. Mm -hmm. And she always talks about how her name is spelled incorrectly with how it's pronounced. And so yeah. because of her, I always end up mispronouncing Kirsten Kirsten. So my apologies. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just wanted to give her some attention and credit because yeah. she is out there, you know, representing Nebraska. Anyway, I just be careful with this argument because it's not doing what you think it's doing. It is, it is like intended to celebrate the Nebraska women's teams, but yeah. it's being used in a context that I don't think is helpful. It comes across as like men versus women's sports Yes, um, is, is very much what it comes across as. And in my opinion, they are independent of each other. Um, very much so. Mm -hmm. Sure, they're representing the same university, but they are independent of each other. The women are mm -hmm. having success independent of whatever the hell the men's teams are doing. They mm -hmm. are not mutually exclusive. It, It is one of those things where the, the, the thing that's so frustrating about it for me is if we want to celebrate the women's sports, let's just not even put it in context of the men's. Let's yeah. just say, look at what the women have done. In fact, oh, I was recently interviewed by Nebraska for a um, few, for an episode of this series that they're working on called The Place, which you can very watch it. Very excited to watch that. It's very, it's, it's very fun to have been a part of it because they wanted to focus one of the episodes, which all of these are at the Huskers YouTube page. Um, they wanted to focus one of the episodes around the success and trajectory of uh, women's basketball and softball and how they both kind of felt like they had very similar storylines from mm -hmm. last season to this season where they, you know, felt like they were on the cusp in 2020, 2021. And then they get into this 2021, 2022 season and it just kind of like explodes. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the stuff where it's like, let's remove the piece on the men and what they are or are not doing and just focus on this right here. Right. And the reason I think that's more important to do is because at the end of the day, I really, I don't even love it when people go, Oh, the men should take a cue from the women. Can Amy Williams come talk to the men's team? Can uh, John Cook come talk to football? Here's the thing. They have. Um, <laughs> if you've ever seen, like, they do cross yeah. things where they share, uh, they have joint meetings, they have joint this, they, mm -hmm. whatever. At the end of the day, I, we don't need to do that. At the end of the day, Amy Williams has had a successful season because of the work that Amy Williams has done. And I don't think it's her responsibility to fix any other team at Nebraska in any way, she needs mm -hmm. to just focus on her team. Now, if somebody else wants to invite her to come speak, great, love it. That's that's awesome. But it, right. I don't. It's also kind of doing a disservice to everyone involved to do that, where it's like you're basically trying to say, "Look how bad this coach is. Can this coach come in and also do this?" And it's like, you know that coach has worked really hard in their area and has focused really hard on what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know how I guess to make this all like make sense. I, I think it's one of those things where if you understand what we're saying, yeah. like you get it. I don't know how to like, it's just because here's the thing. 
I don't think the intent, like the intent of anybody that is sharing this argument, I don't think their intent is bad. Like, I, I don't think any single person who has shared this idea is a bad person. I don't think right. they're, they're pr- I don't believe that they are purposely being mean or try. I don't, if they hear this, I don't think they're going to walk away from it and be like, well, that's unfair. I think they'll be like, oh, I didn't even think about it like that. Right. But that's the part of intent versus impact is your impact can often be very different than your intent. And your intent might be good, but the impact can be bad. Right. And I have to have that conversation with my a lot myself a lot where I'm like, my intention of this was good. The impact of how it came across was not was I not think good. to use like maybe a different example um, that maybe will be that light bulb um, is like if you took the work that I do as a producer and compared it to what a TV producer is doing and said that one was better than the other because of ratings in TV versus podcast numbers. They're not the same thing. No, they can't be directly compared to each other. Just like we got done saying earlier in this podcast episode, men's basketball versus women's basketball is not the same. It's the same game in theory, right? It's the same game. It's basketball, but it's not played the same way. So trying to directly compare or using comparisons of any kind from the success of women's sports and then trying to use them in context of men's sports is putting down women's sports in a way. That's Mm -hmm. the point we're trying to make because kind of what that says to me is that you are assuming that men's sports should always be better. Mm Mm-hmm. And that when they're not, suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, look at right. this. And what's like what's women's really, sports can't be independently successful of men's sports somehow. And what's really interesting about this is I if and I, I want to encourage you if you haven't get if you're unable to be there in person, like get ready to watch this show, the Title IX project that I've been working on with Nebraska Public Media for the last year. When I talked about sitting down with Coach Bernthal Booth, I also sat down with um uh uh, Renee Saunders from Scott. Sorry, my brain just like mm-hmm. and then, <laughs> uh, Coach Cook from Nebraska to talk about just like women's volleyball, the growth of women's volleyball in the state of Nebraska and girls volleyball. Um, and what's really interesting is when you listen to these coaches speak, they actually talk about wanting to grow the men's game, wanting to grow the boys game in Nebraska and get more young, young men and boys interested in volleyball. Mm-hmm. But it's a different sport. And right. that's the thing is they're not, they're not trying to, they're not trying to like make them like this and this, like, and they have to be together. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you want to keep growing just the general sport of volleyball, yes, getting, getting men, getting, getting men's sports and boys sports to participate as well is a great thing, but it is not the same thing. Right. It's the same talk about like men's and women's basketball they are not the same thing they are two different they are they have different game plans they have different focuses they have different athletes like Mm -hmm. trying to make them the same thing is a disservice and like honestly they talk about a lot about building women's sports up but that one of the biggest mistakes that the ncaa has made is making things where it has to be and not just the ncaa a lot of universities do this as well where it's like men's basketball is here like is this so women's basketball has to be this whereas like maybe women's basketball needs to be this and men's basketball like i'm not talking about 
the hierarchy of things. I'm just talking right. about like the support that women's basketball may be different. The support needed for women's basketball might be different than the support needed for men's basketball, mm-hmm. which is different than the support needed for women's track and field. Yes. Like everything can be different and there can be reasons for this versus that. But it just, it feels like so often you have to have things just be like, well, men's basketball, women's basketball, they have to be, they have to be joined at the hip where they'd see it like that because they're going, well, if they're joined at the hip like that, well, then they're equal, but they're actually not because you're not doing any thinking about like what each actually individually means. So all of that to say coaches are all about like, these coaches are all about like building women's sports up, but also being very mindful of like, don't take the easy way out on this stuff. Don't take the mm-hmm. easy way out of just being like, well, if we're going to have boys volleyball and men's volleyball in Nebraska and start building that up, it's just got to be what women's is. No, 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 right. no, no, no. It's not the it same is game. entirely different thing. <laughs> and so trying to always bring these, these comparisons along where like softball has to be equal to baseball in the sense of like the success of one versus the other. There's, more than any of those other examples, like that is, yeah. those are, quite literally two different sports, like two different sports. It just, I I think for me, I completely understand what people are trying to do with this argument. It's just be careful because I don't think it's doing what you want. And unfortunately it brings out trolls because people start to be like, show me the revenue, show me this. And it's like, it's, this isn't, this isn't the point of the success of one versus the non-success of others. And to be honest, I can't imagine if I was an athlete and if I was seeing this argument, it wouldn't make me feel great. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And I'm talking both men and women because yeah. if I'm, if I'm a woman and I'm seeing that argument, I'm going like, so really all of the work that I'm doing is being just summed up in the comparison to the men's sports. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. That's all. This is all being summed up. That's it. Yeah. Great. Well, when we talk about the reason of representation in support for women in sports. We will leave you with a really good feel good story of the week, I guess. Um, when we talk about like, do things go out, like I'm not telling you all to go like open a bar in your community, but if you want right. to, by all means, yeah. uh, the guardian actually has this story and it's the headline is cheers, drinks and tears opening day at a bar where women's sports reign. So many of you probably have seen it definitely went around social media, the logo, of Portland's new sports bar, the Sports Bra, which is the, the name. F- <laughs> I know the Sports Bra, which is the world's first sports bra bra bar showing only women's sports. That's it. They only show women's sports. Um, the Guardian points out that women's sports make up only four percent of all sports media coverage. That is according to a study on gender equality by UNESCO. Forty um, percent of professional athletes are women. Um, so when you're looking at that, this bar. The bar's founder and owner, Jen Wynn, said, our approach is to take that 4% that is showing and just put it on blast. So here's what The Guardian said. That message resonated with those who showed up for the kickoff. I love their verbiage throughout this story. (laughs) Jamie Orr, one of the hundreds of backers who raised more than $100,000 on the Sports Bras Kickstarter campaign, made history by becoming its first customer. To have a sports bar where you're not going to have a fight to get to the back TV turn get to get the back TV turned onto a women's game is just great. Yeah, she said. Um, they've added that. So uh, the 
general manager of the Oregon Ravens. This is a team of the Women's National Football Conference. She said, equity isn't just about digging up screen time. Equity is about having what you need to succeed. Women's sports mean movement and the sports bra is making a statement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really love this uh, quote from Wynn that she said, you know, the only time we've ever been able to watch a women's game with the sound on and all the fanfare is if we had our own space. I mean, support, it's true. We support women. I love that. And that's the thing. It's true. Is kind of to go back to this one point. Again, whenever we have these conversations, people kind of there's always somebody out there that is going to view this as we're taking away from. And it is absolutely not the case. There are always going to be bars that only show men's sports. There are always going to be spaces that exist. I mean, how many times have I, we heard the term man cave in -hmm. our life? And it's like, you know, I want to just make, I just want to point this out really quick. You hear people talk about their man cave and you don't hear anyone really make fun of it. They're just like, Oh, cool. You got a nice, basement finished basement with some big tvs and stuff but whenever you hear and i i do think we could workshop the name a little bit that's more or less my point here yeah. but um she shed where people are like I, i've seen a lot of women who have started to build their own independent spaces where they're yeah. like i'm gonna go get the shed i'm gonna turn the shed in my backyard into this space where it is a hundred percent mine mm-hmm. um i've seen women who've taken it and turned it into their studios for uh, their workout studios, or they've mm-hmm. turned it into a space where they can honestly just go sit and watch television alone. Unbothered. <laughs> Unbothered. And, you know, again, I don't love the word she shed, but I also don't love the word man cave. Like, yeah, uh, neither. We could workshop those to be better. Um, but I, I, I actually see more people make fun of this idea that when women say, well, I went and, you know, turned our shed into this space for me, like people making fun of that, like, Oh, (laughs) but they don't do the same thing to the men's man Mm -hmm. cave. The thing that like women deserve spaces that make them feel comfortable, that make them feel safe, that give them a, a spot to rejuvenate, to recharge, to just exist without having that be made fun of. Yeah. And, I know that there are people out there who are going to make fun of the sports bra because they're like, Oh, that's dumb. It's not dumb though, because there are going to be so many women who are going to show up to this because it's going to be a place where they feel comfortable. They feel like, Hey, the game I want to watch is on the television. Like I can come in here and have a drink. I can get some food. The game I want to watch is on in front of me. Like I'm not going to have to fight anyone over that. Like, Yes. This is amazing. It just I want to go there like pretty bad. <laughs> I know. I'm sad that the last time it wasn't open yet when I was in Oregon, but if it had been, I would have totally driven from Eugene up to Portland to see it right? because it just, you know, here's here's kind of the crux of all of this. Again, this is coming from the Guardian. I'm just reading. Fixing the gender problem in sports coverage is bigger than simply simply opening a bar, but when hopes our mission can make a dent one game at a time. Experts say building visibility is a key part of increasing young women's participation in sports. According to the Women's Sports Foundation, by the time a girl reaches 14 years of age, she's twice as likely to drop out of sports compared with a boy. And if she's LGBTQ plus or a person of color, the dropout rate doubles. That's one reason why the sports bra is allowing minors into the space. Wynn hopes that in the coming years, there might even be potential to franchise and expand. Here's it just kind of all comes back full circle representation mm-hmm. truly, truly matters. And we know that like, we've heard this so many times that like girls, by the time they reach a certain age, 
don't think that science and math jobs are available to them because they start to get pushed out of those spaces when mm -hmm. they're even just in elementary school. By the time they reach high school, they're getting pushed out of sports. Like we have to be cognizant to this. It cannot be something where we're just like, what can I do? So as we say, if there's something that we can provide to you yes. <laughs> to take away from everything, this is what I would offer. When you have an opportunity to create space for women, do it. So if you're, if you're flipping through your TV, stop on a WNBA game for a moment, allow yourself the moment to like truly watch it. And mm -hmm. you know what? If you determine that the WNBA isn't your game, because we all have things we like and don't, I've said it before, NASCAR is not my thing. Right. Change the channel without saying anything else. Yeah. Don't, don't make comments that can then be internalized by those around you. Don't make comments that can come across to somebody who might see that and go, Oh, look, this, this is, this is me. These are, these are like athletes that look like me. Be careful. Your words are, your words matter and your yeah. words can truly impact people even when you don't realize it. So I think for a lot of our listeners, you're already all very cognizant of this and doing mm -hmm. great work, but I think it's just a constant reminder for us that when we are around one, listen to how you speak to yourself. Yes. That's very important, especially if there are children around and yes. it doesn't have to be your children. It could mm -hmm. be other people's children. It could be nieces, nephews, whatever. Mm -hmm. Children hear how you talk about yourself mm -hmm. and can take that like later on into life. And that could be the voice that they're using to also speak to themselves. I say this from experience and it took me a long time to turn that stuff around. Um, yep. People are listening regardless of if you think you're being hurt or not. Yeah. So just kind of, it's that idea of like, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. Now, obviously there's some example, there's some, uh, there's some times where saying not such nice things are good. If somebody uh -huh. is like, obviously you, here's the thing. <laughs> Y'all know the lines. Y'all know the lines. When we talk about like, I'm not telling you to just like let injustice be injustice. Right. If it's something that you're passionate about and someone is being a, jerk mm -hmm. but my point is is if it's something where you're like oh i don't like this if that could be impressionable to somebody if that could make a difference like keep it to yourself i like again to the people like i know tons of people who like well heck everyone was like all fired up about f1 what was that over the weekend like yeah which is great. Like, I'm so glad everyone was super excited. Not my thing. It's yeah. not my personal thing, but I was so excited for everyone else that was excited to the point where I was like, do I need to make this my thing? Right. right. Um, <laughs> but like, I think allowing people to just exist and give them that space to be excited about things is great. Like, let's just allow people, if we want to keep building equality, if we want to keep building up women's sports, we have to provide that space for it to exist and not to find ways to kind of like, inadvertently tear it down. So like right. these arguments that like, honestly, aren't serving the bigger purpose. Let's, let's just not have them. <laughs> yeah. Let's can I have a totally entirely different conversation than that context of the conversation. Honestly, like we're so close. We're so close to the point when we talk about like, Hey, this is a good thing. The women's sports are doing great. Let's just celebrate that versus trying to like make comparisons that honestly don't need uh, to be made. I, yeah. So yeah. go out in the world in the next week and just like be, be mindful of how you speak to yourself. Be mindful how you speak about things in front of others and just know that like ears are always listening. Yes. Um, 
and people pick up on things. So I think that's a big difference and a big challenge even for me is being mindful of what we say and how we keep encouraging people into spaces without pushing them away. Yes, so. 100%. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone, on our first video. Um, I had to be more aware of like what my face was doing. So apologies. <laughs> um, like, I'm like looking all over the place. It's fine. Um, but we will be back with more video next week. So in the meantime, you can email us at mindyourownpodcast at hailvarsu.com. You can tweet at us at Sasha72 at Aaron Sorensen. We do love to hear from you. So yeah. please chime in. It means a lot when we find out like my microphone fell over a while ago. It's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, we do love to hear from you, especially for those of you who are like, hey, I'm a new listener. That's amazing. We yes. love to hear from you if you've, if you've been with us since the beginning. So please mind your own podcast at hillvartsy.com. And we will be back next week with even more because there's always something, always something always in the world of sports. <laughs> always something. Well, thank you, Sasha. I always appreciate you. Thank you to everyone listening. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Ahura Media Production.